Joining us on the WBGO Journal are two very familiar faces to us here at the radio station and good friends, Newark filmmakers, the Bongiornos are back. Mary Lou and Jerome Bongiorno's Three R's Trilogy on Urban America. It's part three now with Rust, the new documentary. It follows Revolution 67, which took place in 2007 on the riots and rebellions of the 1960s and The Rule that came out in 2014 on urban school reform and really focused on St. Benedict's prep. And wow, what a powerful film that was as well. So now it's the third part of the trilogy. It's Rust. And that's why we have the Bongiornos back with us. Mary Lou and Jerome coming up May 18th. It's premiering on PBS. And check your local listings. You have to be excited that number three is ready to go. Woohoo! We are. <laughs> oh, you better believe We're it. We're very eager to share this solutions-based film. First of all, did you want to have three R's when you first thought about it, or did it just come out that way? It just happened. And uh, we realized three R's could really be uh, important here. Uh, and with Rust, there was never a question. We just really thought the title was appropriate. I'm Mary Lou Bongiorno, a lifelong resident of Newark, New Jersey. My husband Jerome and I have been documenting our home city for many years. Our three R's trilogy of documentaries began with Revolution 67, about the riot rebellion of 1967 that's had a lasting impact on Newark. Its sequel was The Rule, which showed a beacon of hope with the successful model of urban school reform. And this film is Rust, which takes its title from Rust Belt Cities and tackles solutions to reduce poverty and racism. This is a problem of finally telling the truth of our history and our present, and then deciding what America really stands for. But racism as a system has had devastating effects. I think we just need to understand the long history that black folks have come from. We can now think about poverty much more like we would a chemical toxin. But in the United States, it's a particularly serious problem because of our heritage of slavery. Unemployment has largely not moved for black and brown people. One of the most successful programs that the federal government ever had was the Works Progress Administration. We need the president, we need Congress to create a national jobs program to put the unemployed back to work now. You know, all of your films have really talked about poverty being the underlying theme of everything. And so I would assume that Rust, you know, is taking a, an even deeper look at that unbelievable problem that is yet to be solved. Yes. Um, so the short answer is that um, we recognized after making Revolution 67 and the rule that we had to make a third film to really understand poverty in Newark. Um, so do you want to explain that? Yeah, I mean, you know, with Revolution 67 and the Rule, we traveled around the country. We traveled internationally with those films. And uh, I think by making those films, we, we learned that poverty, like you said, was at the bottom of all the problems that exist in cities like Newark. And when we traveled to those other cities to speak about those films, we would, we would actually take notes on the poverty rate and the conditions of those cities. So we compiled all that data. And, you know, we weren't surprised to see that the poverty rate always correlated to the type of conditions that we found those cities to be in. In fact, we found something interesting. We found that when a city has a, a poverty rate higher than 15 percent, OK, 15 percent, 
the crime was usually high and the graduation rate, rate was low. And those two things are unacceptable. So now Newark, uh, if you look at the data, has a, a, about a 30% poverty rate. And as you can expect, the conditions in Newark aren't good. And we live here. So we wanted to start work to understand inner city poverty in more, more detail so that we can improve a city like Newark. So in 2011, we hosted uh, something called uh, the Newark Poverty Reduction Conference. And this occurred at Rutgers. And you can go to our website and check out those interesting presentations, which were from, from, from some really good historians. And the reason why we talk about that conference now is because that conference really opened us up to wanting to do a dedicated documentary called Rust to basically answer three things that we looked at at that conference. Why does poverty exist in Rust Belt cities like Newark? What are the effects of poverty? And what are the solutions to reducing poverty? The solutions. Do we have solutions to this problem that seems to be ongoing? Um, absolutely. Uh, we have time-tested solutions to this problem. And um, we have started the process by examining it in, in terms of what happened in Newark in 1967. How did we get to a point that um, caused the city to erupt? And then looked at decades of neglect that led to that and federal policies and how the federal government has stepped in and made very specific uh, solutions to each of these problems. So, um, you know, we saw this evolve and then we saw this, um, the solutions come to, um, yeah, well, we have basically, we showed three solutions in, in Rust. Uh, the first one is, is, of course, you have to improve education. The second one is, you know, because there's a lot of single parent families, you know, you want uh, people, uh, you want families or individuals to have children while they're in a stable, committed relationship. So that, that's the second thing. And that's probably going to take a lot of counseling. And the third thing is you got to get people into jobs. And, um, and either you create those jobs here or you have to bring them to where the jobs are. So those are the top three. We talk about other solutions in the film, but the, the top three are the education uh, uh, and uh, getting two-parent families and, or, or, more sta uh, or stabilize the families more and, of course, employ people jobs. And of course, then we look at the tra trajectory in this country of racism. So um, there are obvious solutions there as well. So, and we've seen this happen as we see in the film that there were specific government programs and we're seeing this now with uh, COVID in response to the coronavirus that you can have national, you can have state, you can have city involvement to take care of these problems. So, you know, that's absolutely happening and has happened. Yeah. And when you talk about racism, you're probably talking about that's very, very difficult to, to solve, you know, because you have to go into people's heads with that uh, idea. Uh, the other three, education, uh, family structure and uh, jobs is, is a lot easier. Right. And we've, it's easier, I think, for us to understand after even watching the film how government has in the past mobilized to redirect industry, to keep businesses running, to provide relief for unemployment, prevent evictions, right? And food insecurity. Um, it can go from revamping healthcare and allocating more funding for gaps in education. So that's happening and has been happening in response to COVID. 
And uh, in our film, you'll definitely see the same thing happening during the depression and World War II as the government had to mobilize. And then we see even earlier in the thirties when we saw social insurance programs uh, like social security um, and other programs being instituted because we absolutely needed to do that. We mentioned at the top that Rust uses Newark as a microcosm. What are some of the other cities that you see that resemble Newark and are dealing with the same issues? Well, there are many. <laughs> well, you know, you got Newark. I mean, just, just in Newark alone, you got Camden, Trenton, Patterson, New Brunswick. You know, they all have high poverty rates. Uh, but then around the country, you have Detroit, Michigan, uh, you know, Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, Chicago, Illinois. You know, the, all, all these cities have experienced the same trajectory as Newark uh, because they all had industry. They all suffered from racism. And what we see today, a high poverty rate, is due to all that uh, you know, inaction by the government to do something about it early on. The big elephant in the room is COVID and how can anybody address poverty during a pandemic? What are your thoughts on that? Um, just that we've seen it happen. Uh, so with the stimulus, with all of the programs that are designed to help people that are suffering, um, all the things that we've seen happen in the past when there's political will can absolutely happen again now. And you have to take uh, all of this into consideration when it's magnified in an inner city where these problems have already existed. I know that the film is approximately 86 minutes in length, right? Correct. How long did it take to film, Russ? Because, you know, that's one thing that's always fascinating about talking to both of you is that, you know, you're both involved in the film directly, the making of it, the producing of it, everything that's involved. How long did it take? Uh, Russ took about, um, well, we, we, we work on many projects at the same time, but from inception to distribution, it took about seven years. So, and, and it was the same thing with Revolution 67 and the rule. They also took seven years. You know, it takes a long time because you have to gather your uh, information, your interviews, you know, look at what you got, get more interviews to clarify other interviews. So, you know, and this, this stuff takes, takes time. The timing of it is, you know, incredible because, you know, that's really what's going on right now in, in the world, no matter if you started it seven years ago, but it's still as relevant as can be right now. And that's kind of eye-opening as well, isn't it? And then you yeah. have an upcoming screening coming up on May 3rd for people to get their first chance to see Rust. Can you tell us about it? 7 p.m. and how you can get involved. Um, well, by going to our website, which is www.bongiornoproductions.com, you can register. And we're very fortunate to have Prudential uh, host this particular powerhouse panel discussion. It is our virtual premiere on May 3rd at 7 p.m. And so uh, the people that are going to be appearing in it are uh, historian, who are also in the film, uh, historian Dr. Khalil Mohammed. Uh, pediatrician Dr. Renee Boynton-Jarrett, and activist Lawrence Ham. Now, Larry Ham has appeared in all three of these films in this trilogy, which has been, you know, really exciting for us. Um, this particular event is free. As I mentioned, you can register via our website, and you'll receive a link to watch Rust the weekend prior to May 3rd panel. Um, and I should also say that NJ Pack is hosting another, a different panel discussion 
um, to discuss the film on May 24th via their PSEG True Diversity Film Series. And um, as you know, Russ is coming to National PBS on May 18th. Check your local listings. One thing that is wonderful for you and for us as, as viewers is the support that the Bongiornos have been getting for your films from various corporations, both national and local. Obviously, a testament to your work. Jerome, it takes money to put these things together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does take money. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've been able to get the support from corporations, foundations, and individuals for our films. But uh, And it's not surprising that there are a lot of people in corporations that want to see the poverty in places like Newark. They want to see it get reduced. Uh, and they know that the people that live in impoverished cities live in misery. So they want to see that change. And so they're happy to support stuff like ours, uh, documentaries or fictional film like ours. And, uh, you know, and, but what is uh, our film like? You know, what is that effort that we're trying to make? And it's simple. It's to make films that uncover what the root of inner city poverty is. And, and, and explain the effect of poverty and then show time-tested solutions that can reduce poverty. And really, that's what Rust is all about. You mentioned a seven-year period, Revolution 67 in 2007, and then the rule in 2014 and now in 2021, Rust. In 2028, what would the Bongiornos be happy with to see in their hometown of Newark when it comes to education, poverty, jobs? Well, what I would be happy to see is our current poverty, poverty rate, rate, about which is around 30%, be reduced down to 15%. That would make me very happy. Because at that point, two things will be happening. There'll be less poverty. And I would hope that that would mean that there aren't, that we haven't pushed out people who are currently in poverty and pushed them out to someplace else. I would hope that that would mean that the people who are currently in poverty have been lifted out of poverty significantly, okay? And then that would mean that there are a lot more middle-class people in the city. That would mean that there are a lot more, that a lot more tax money coming in for services and uh, the city would look a lot better. There would be you know, practically no crime in the city and the educational system would be much, much better. And then a lot of other people, specifically middle-class people, would want to move to the city because they would feel safer and they would feel more comfortable uh, sending their kids to the public school system here. Right. And schools that, and we see this happening already, but it would be great to see it on a larger scale to have schools take the model of St. Benedict's Prep, which is the subject of the rule, and have that counseling program instituted. So what we did in Rust is we followed up with one of the students from St. Benedict's Prep, who was a troubled teen in 2011, and uh, he, benefited, he's, he benefited so much from the counseling program there that he is now a social worker himself. So not only did he complete his high school education, he finished college, but he's now a social worker, uh, which is an incredible success story. And he talks about the benefit of counseling and what he received at St. Benedict's. And I know that there is some political talk about doing more of that for students, but if they could just look at this very successful model and implement it. And we started to do that by taking the film to dozens of high schools here in Newark and some took it very seriously. And we hope that that continues so that by 20, 
um, 28. <laughs> 28, we would have uh, that kind of success. I'm so glad that you mentioned a, a word that we don't hear enough in both news and when it comes to, to films is follow-up, is that so many issues are presented and people are spoken to, but we never check back in with them to see how it went, how these new innovative programs go. Okay, did it work? You know, we, we don't do that enough. So I'm so glad to, to hear that you did that. Also, the first two films, Revolution and The Rule, have been seen in many schools here in Newark and elsewhere. So what kind of reaction have you been getting from younger people about your films? Because those are the people who are going to make the difference in 2021 and 2028. Well, um, the, the first response we get is that uh, some of these solutions that you asked about earlier are very doable at no cost. I think they recognize the things like peer counseling, where you're empowering kids to uh, make their own solutions. They don't want to be told what to do and then have others directing that. They want to be able to say, okay, I know I have some guide lines here, I know what my boundaries are, and I'm going to strive to, to do this myself. So I think they like that empowerment. Um, Revolution 67 was recently selected by Screen Rant Magazine as one of the top 10 Black Power documentaries. So um, that, you know, this film has been around, as you mentioned, since 2007, and has been on national television continuously for all that time. So I, I would like to think um, that the word empowerment is, is what the main reaction is. Certainly when we, when we take the film to schools around the world, young people say to us all the time that, um, they're, that they are inspired by the success of uh, St. Benedict's Prep, that they see that that could be very doable in their lives and they try to adapt it to their own circumstance. And we hope with Rust that people will see the same type of solutions that um, occurred all through history and that having come out of this coronavirus restrictive period that we would understand what can be done by government to, to help this solution. You know, during COVID, couples were forced to work at home together and maybe got on each other's nerves more than ever. You two always work together. So it wasn't that much different on that end, but how difficult was it to film and get things moving during this pandemic? Right, we had to finish the film using uh, virtual conference technology and Jerome can comment on that. Um, so we did, we did approach our funders and say, well, we wanna finish this film and we wanna do it in this manner. And so Jerome worked hard to get those interviews to look and sound the best that we could and to, to finish the movie. Yeah, it became a technology issue. I mean, you know, usually we just go out and we interview people, get the cameras, get the lights, get the microphones. But now it was a technology issue. You have to, you know, worry about not, not so much your equipment, but the other person's, the interviewee's equipment so that we're recording them, you know, with a, with a good sound and, and a good uh, visual. So, uh, and that became, you know, so we had to do some testing with that, but that worked out. And, uh, and in the movie, it sounds and it looks good. So we're happy. And we acknowledge what is happening in those interviews too. So it, it sets us up that way. Yeah. Right. But it didn't impede us from finishing the film. I think that's important because we speak to a lot of film classes and film students and filmmakers. And it's important that you adapt to whatever circumstance you have. 
Yeah, yeah. And now you know that you can actually, you know, put together footage recorded from somebody else's computer and you can make a viable product with it. So uh, and that should uh, psych uh, filmmakers up to say, well, geez, I don't have the equipment right now. Uh, well, I could do it this way. You know, there are alternatives. What surprised you as you did Rust that you weren't expecting? Not the technical side, but the content side. Did anything come up that you said, ah, this is a new thing now that has happened since the other two? Um, well, I'll jump in with uh, the prisoner reentry footage. So we didn't know what to expect from that. And um, we were filming people in Newark who were going through that process. So these are clients who came in who want to um, reacclimate into society after being incarcerated for some period of time. And they knew the odds um, of what faced them, especially in the city of Newark. So having made the other two, we recognized what that struggle was. But what was surprising to me was um, the fact that they had so little, so few services while they were actually in prison. And so you're putting someone into an environment, um, basically giving them a bus ticket and maybe 14 day supply of meds and then asking them to deal with all the bureaucracy and things that we even before COVID had to struggle with and, uh, and then watch how people could survive in Newark in a place like Newark. And it's incredibly difficult. The premiere is May 18th on PBS. Check your local listings for Rust. It's the third documentary in Mary Lou and Jerome Bongiorno's Three R's trilogy on urban America following Revolution 67 and the rule and Prudential Financial is hosting a virtual panel on May 3rd at 7 p.m. If you're at BongiornoProductions.com, take a look at all the other projects that these two have been involved in. The quite impressive work that they have put together on their resume through the years. They've been great friends to WBGO as well through this entire time. When you see that virtual premiere coming up on the 3rd, do you still get nervous? Do you still, you know, like wonder, like, what's the reaction going to be? <laughs> yeah, always. Oh, yeah. Always, yeah. It's always that. Um, because films historically have gone through so many periods, like some of our favorite films, classic films weren't well received. Some were, and then were lost, you know? So you really can't predict, but what we do is we try to answer the questions that we personally have. And so if we answer them for ourselves, audiences that are curious, hopefully will say, hey, I, I would like to learn more about this. And the three films together now form a very complete encyclopedic look at problems. Uh, and there are repeat themes in each of these films. Um, Larry Hamm is one, for example, what is the role of activism? What are the solutions to racism? Because one of the things that the film also did was it, it offers concrete evidence of racism. And I didn't even know that that could exist, but to say, you know, yeah, we suppose these things, but do they really exist? And some of our scholars go through these examples. 
so that people may just say, hey, you know, I, I never really thought about it that way. The other problem is that we don't want people to shrug their shoulders and say, oh, Newark, you know, so many problems, forget it. You know, it's too overwhelming. So we say, no, no, it's just one thing, reduce poverty. You reduce poverty and you'll see, you know, the, as Jerome has said many times, the, the crime rate will, will go down, the educational performance will increase, all of these things will fall into place. Right. So, and, and also like our Chris Bonilla, who is the student that we profiled, um, he's just an incredible success story. And uh, it can happen. And we see it happening in great numbers at a place like St. Benedict's Prep. And we just want to see that uh, permeate more schools and, and our environment. I love your question, Doug, about what's going to happen in seven years. And yeah, if we move and really move toward that, it can happen. Oh, it could definitely happen. And, you know, the, these, these, uh, these films are, are, are our education. They, we, helped we wanted to make them to educate ourselves to what the problem is and what the solutions are. We know what the solutions are. They've been around uh, racism. Uh, they're, they're, we, we need to you know, battle that. And the main thing is that uh, these, these solutions exist. And, and, and if nothing is done in seven years, if the poverty rate doesn't move, uh, it's, it's not only uh, the fault of our representatives, but it's our fault because we know that there are solutions. So we should be pushing our representatives uh, to fix the problem. And, uh, you know, whether or not there is political will to fix the problem, we must make sure that they fix this problem. So it's our responsibility. And we saw that happening with the presidential election, people mobilizing that may not even have decided to vote. We understand what having a change of leadership can mean. And, uh, and certainly there's a large section in the film where we look at the rise of racism from when we were English colonies, we follow the progress through US slavery and then the post-slavery black codes up to mass incarceration today. So a major goal with Rust was just to increase the viewer's consciousness of racism and what and the different faces and forms that it can take that may that may not be visible. Oh, here's a, here's an interesting one. Not to keep you, Doug, but uh, we have this whole section on Jane Addams, who was a Nobel Prize winner, and uh, you know she worked uh, you know extensively from the late 1800s into the like let's say 1930s, and uh, you know did great work towards helping immigrants. Uh, get situated in the United, uh, in the United States, uh, reduce their poverty. And, uh, you know, so if we, can, we, if we can do that kind of stuff, uh, you know, we can lift this problem of poverty and racism. It, it just takes political will. One thing that our viewers and listeners might not know about Jerome Bongiorno is that he's a fabulous jazz guitarist. Now, does any of that music seep into any of these projects? Oh yeah, yeah. The whole the whole soundtrack is pretty much jazz, and uh, yeah, I throw some guitar stuff in it. It's a lot of bass, uh, some guitar, and uh, yeah, the, the jazz definitely makes its way in. So you really are a one stop shop, right? Is there anything yeah. that is there anything that the Bongiornos can't do? Well, I hope we <laughs> we can show people that they can do it too. You can use uh, you know. Uh, uh, a cell phone cameras just as powerful a tool as, as any of us can have. 
Um, but yes, Doug, it is just two people on the credits, <laughs> um, which I think is unusual, but it also should let people know that cost and, you know, COVID and, and any other barrier that comes in shouldn't be insurmountable, that you can do it. Yeah. I mean, the, just having a computer alone, you can work wonders, you know, because there's a lot of animation in the films and we do the animation too. Uh, you know, when you have a computer, well, you know, you could do this video conferencing. You know, there's your interviews. You can, uh, you know, there are plenty of music programs. So there's your music, you know, uh, and uh, you, there's plenty of the editing software of imaging, yeah. of imaging editing software. So there's, you know, you could create your images, animations. There's plenty of public domain images out there. So you can, uh, you know, use those, uh, it's... Right, know. for the research phase too. I mean, so since another major change that's happened in the filmmaking process since Revolution 67 is just what the ease of computers have brought us, right? Yes. The and technology. The, and the internet. Right, and the cost factor going down too because of the, all the things Jerome mentioned and major institutions putting a lot of their imagery um, compiling now so that you can just find it by doing a search and it's in the public domain, which means that there's no cost involved with it. We're very conscious of that too. Your, your documentary could be driven up enormously in cost by just using material that has to be licensed. So you have to work hard to find things that are free. Well, here's something for the people out there. You know, you really should take a look at the pictures and the footage that you're using and really do deep research to make sure that they're not in the public domain already because there's a lot of houses out there that will license anything to you. But that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be licensed. They could already be in the public domain. You just need to do the research to see if it is already in the public domain. Right, and we have a network of people that we are connected to that have advised us. And people are very generous with their time uh, and have helped us in the past. So if you have questions, ask them. You are passionate about the city of Newark. I guess you guys will never move, right? You always want to be here. Where, where are we going to go? I mean, you know, this, the, the place has it all. We just, you know, we just got to lift it up. That's all. And what a strong community, even during uh, the coronavirus. Newark really proved itself to artists, to supporting artists um, with generous grants and things that make us feel our importance in the role of the city. And uh, so that's to be, you know, commended and also the community response and all the great people that are here in institutions like WBGO and Doug Doyle. Thank you um, for, you know, being just the best. And it just sets a high bar for everyone else. And um, we thank you. Thanks so much for that. Go to BongiornoProductions.com to register for the Prudential Financial Hosting of a virtual panel on May 3rd at 7 p.m. for Rust, the third in the documentary series from Mary Lou and Jerome Bongiorno, the three R's trilogy on urban America. It was Revolution 67, then The Rule, and now Rust. It will premiere on May 18th on PBS. Check your local listings for when it's coming to your television set or your phone or your watch. It can be anywhere you can watch uh, the yeah. Rust now, right? <laughs> Mary Lou and Jerome, always a pleasure to have you on the WBGO Journal. Continued success. Thank you, Doug. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you.